I know companies that pretty much make every decision from an A-B test, which doesn't allow for the leaps that you need to make in product development in order to to achieve something great or, or totally change change a sector. Um, but you know, A-B tests do have their place, and when you're refining the product and and tweaking it, and particularly when you're trying to hit a particular metric, you know, a lot of SaaS is about looking at retention or activation or conversion. Um, when you're looking at raw numbers like that, um, A-B testing does help to kind of get those incremental improvements that you need to make day to day, week to week. Welcome to 14 Minutes of SaaS, the show where you can listen to the stories and opinions of founders of the world's most remarkable SaaS scale-ups. In this, the second and concluding episode with Cameron Adams, Chief Product Officer and Co-Founder of Canva, we talk about product innovation and building teams that feel safe enough to express their creativity and take risks. Cameron tells us why A-B testing is a very useful tool to iteratively perfect a SaaS product, but not the be and end all in product innovation. And if you're a product developer or a designer, I think you're in for a treat because Cameron expresses his opinions on combining data and observation with creativity to develop products. He also touches on how Canva comfortably spans the grassroots single user to increasingly the enterprise scale companies. yourself more as a uh, product manager today or more as a curator of smartly configured teams appropriate teams for different projects you know, how, how important is that latter piece for you uh, to get things done efficiently I think definitely as a, as a company scales you have to change what you do and change the influence that you have um, I still like to, to make things and create things which is why why you'll often find me on, on a certain project just, just helping out or designing things or, or figuring out a technological solution to it. But yeah, ultimately the way that Canva is going to get things done is through scaling our teams and empowering everyone on those teams to be able to make decisions and ship their own products. Um, and creating those structures is incredibly important. We've got you know, a lot of people at the company, people who've been there a long time, we have you know, Mel, Cliff and I who have the vision and the drive for the company. Um, we want to find ways to include all those things as well as all the input from the people who are doing the work themselves. Uh, so it's a tricky combination and finding the right structure is a, is a delicate balance. It changes quite frequently. You know, in a fast growing company, we've grown from uh, about 150 people last year to 300 at the start of this year. And as that size changes, the structure changes as well. Um, so you always have to keep an eye on that and make sure that the structure that you have now is the one that's most optimal uh, and think about the structures that you might need as you grow into the future. Um, in a recent piece you wrote on creativity at scale, you referenced uh, Macbeth. Is that your favorite Shakespearean play and why? <laughs> I'm not a huge Shakespearean academic, but Mac Macbeth is one of the few ones I've actually read. Um, and you know, Shakespeare's creativity and his effect on, on the artistic world and even on human endeavor is, is undeniable. Um, and the kind of themes and narrative arcs that he plays out across his stories have, have influenced you know, books, movies, plays for five centuries after, after he was alive. 
Um, so he's an incredibly inspirational figure and, and kind of the epitome of creativity for me. I have to ask the question because it's my favorite play of all time. <laughs> it's, it's half the length of Hamlet, which I also like, uh, with a lot less poetry and a lot more action, but it's just like a perfectly formed play. Mel Perkins, the CEO, mentioned her surprise when you guys first went out to Silicon Valley, which you mentioned you don't go too often to, that they kept asking about A-B testing and have you not tested this? Um, and I think in, in her talk, she talks about finding your own flavor and not following what everybody else is doing. I also noticed in your blog that you referenced an article that says, let go of the A-B test. Talk to me a little bit about Canva and A-B testing. I think it's, uh, everything's always about balance. You never, you never rule out something and say, you know, it's all bad or it's all good. Um, you can swing too far one way. I know companies that pretty much make every decision from an A-B test, which doesn't allow for the, the leaps that you need to make in product development in order to, to achieve something great or, or totally change, change a sector. Um, but you know, A-B tests do have their place and when you're refining the product and, and tweaking it, and particularly when you're trying to hit a particular metric, you know, a lot of SaaS is about looking at retention or activation or conversion. Um, when you're looking at raw numbers like that, um, A-B testing does help to kind of get those incremental improvements that you need to make day to day, week to week. It's also just another tool that you have in your toolkit. So I think if you're thinking more broadly about the experience and what you want to build, you know, A-B testing has its place, uh, in-person user research has its place, uh, surveys has its place, just pure brainstorming has its place, like thinking of the future world that you want to be in. And the design process is about choosing the particular tools that you need at that time to achieve the outcome that you want to have and using a range of them to synthesize the data and the inputs that you need to have a great output. Um, and and over time, we've, we've seen what A-B tests can deliver and how to run them properly. And we've seen a whole bunch of other methodologies that we've used and how to use those, use those properly. So I think through experience, you understand which tool you have to pick up at the right moment. And uh, given where you want to be, what you need to do now in order to get there. It's, it's interesting. It actually takes me back to another Renaissance uh, figure in Leonardo da Vinci. Um, he designed things that are used today for uh, robots exploring planets to sewage systems to lots of stuff in shipbuilding technology. And I think one of the things that was key to him perhaps, apart from his enormous talent and genius, was he wasn't limited by technology. He imagined and designed things that can't be done today. Um, do you think we do enough of that? Uh, imagining the, the currently impossible just to free our minds? I think in that same post, I referenced an article about observational research as well. Um, and I think that ties interestingly into Leonardo da Vinci, because a lot of his inspiration came from observing the natural world and applying that into technology that humans could use. So I think there's an interesting parallels there between observation and looking at things and really almost being scientific in the way that you break things down into basic principles. So thinking about you know Leonardo coming up with the helicopter and, and basic principles of flight and looking at birds and, and how they move through the air. Uh, so it's that, it's that observation and the collection of data paired with his amazingly creative mind and ability to, yeah, just open up 
his thinking and and applied I think applying these this data that he had to areas that you might necessarily have thought about and it's this collision between different worlds that I think lets you produce amazingly creative things. Uh, you're one of the busiest speakers here. Uh, you're a fellow speaker in RISE, but you're doing, I think, four events. Um, one of the things you're doing is SaaS and the enterprise. Um, I suppose, just to go back to kind of commercials, I imagine that would be a massive focus going forward and currently for Canva. Um, because, of course, when you win uh, customers in the enterprise, there's a there can be an awful lot of users often using your, your the best version of your product. Is that a huge focus for you today? Yeah, we've seen really, really promising growth from, I mean, we, we kind of think of Canva as a, as a grassroots product, something that anyone can pick up and start using. And we've seen people, you know, being the sole marketer at a company, picking it up. And as the team grows, introducing their team members to it or introducing it to other departments. So we've seen it move from marketing through to sales. Um, and then we've also seen it picked up by huge companies that have huge marketing departments, but one person on that team will have a need to, to do some design uh, and they will pick up Canva and that will s slowly you know, seed its way out through the organization. Um, so yeah, the team, the team growth stuff is really exciting for us. And we've got lots of really great case studies of teams that have picked up Canva. Um, you know, teams from five people through to 800 people. You got, I read somewhere, a grant of 1.67 million in Australia in the early days that was important for your commercialization when you kind of had product market fit. Um, is that something uh, particular to Australia that companies can, can win this sort of help from, uh, from the government if they prove they have something? Yeah, I think uh, it's it's definitely an Australian government program. Um, it's I think it's changed over time. I'm not sure whether they offer the exact same thing now, but there's definitely access to grants that you can get, and they're largely predicated on um, research and development. So being able to think about something that, that doesn't exist at the moment, doing research and development to to develop it, that, and then taking that into a commercial realm. Um, and I think what the government does is they will match any input that you have. Uh, financially so if, if you're putting in a million dollars they'll kind of match that at a certain percentage um, and it's been a yeah, it's been a really useful uh, government initiative that has helped quite a few companies in Australia a lot of entrepreneurs that I speak to uh, at some point in their life have, have reached a point of success where they know they're they're likely to be free in terms of monetarily free um, and they seem to hit a slump um, I don't know why, but you get, I get the impression from you, you haven't uh, experienced that, and you're not likely to experience it. Am I right? Yeah, we've we've never we've never focused on money that much. I mean, what drives us at, at Canva is the vision of, of bringing design to the world and the, the numerous number of ways that we can do that. Um, and we're still incredibly excited about that. And it's almost as if each year we discover even more things that we haven't done that we know we should be doing. Um, so it's almost like the, the, the amount of work you have still to do multiplies as, as you achieve more and more things. Um, yeah, we're, we're all still incredibly excited about the area and, and about taking Canva to new levels and, and growing the company to, to a different level of scale. Um, and it's still, still exciting and scary. Um, you can never 
I don't think you can ever take your foot off the pedal or imagine that you've you've done or you've finished anything. It's always it's always a work in progress, and there's always more to do. Has anybody really influenced you heavily? Um, I think over the last ten years, my wife has has been a very inspirational and supportive figure. She ran her own business for a long time, and is always there for me to talk to about business decisions, personal decisions, you know, things that are going to affect our lives. Um, yeah, I'd say she's probably been the most inspirational one. Would you have any words of uh, inspiration or, or advice for anyone thinking about starting up their own company? I think be aware of who you are and what you can achieve and, and be realistic about it. I think it's extremely hard to, to run a business by yourself, particularly when you're having to scale it in so many directions. And having partners, whether that's one, two, three, however many you need, that fill in your gaps and augment you and, and work well with you is incredibly important. And that's been a large part of the key success of Canva is the way that the three of us work together and just fit together really nicely like a jigsaw puzzle. How important is building trust in a product development team? How important do you think that is and how do you do that? I think it's amazingly, amazingly important, particularly as you scale up companies. So in the very early days, the founders can kind of drive, drive the company along in their vision and, and help everyone you know, build something that, that's aligned with that. As the company has grown, we're up to 300 people now. Um, and it's, it's almost impossible to have that high touch with everyone, everyone in the company. Um, so you rely on small teams being formed and those teams being passionate and driven and very goal-oriented. Um, and in order for them to execute, we need to trust them. And within the teams themselves, each of those team members needs to, to trust everyone else. That's the only way that you'll get the best ideas, that you'll get feedback and iteration, you'll get teams trying to improve themselves, people trying to improve themselves. Uh, and being each team member being able to give feedback to one another requires a great amount of trust. And even for someone to voice an idea or, or question something that's going on and, and help to improve it uh, requires a, a really huge amount of trust. So building that within the teams and making everyone feel like they're very safe and welcome and able to contribute at the company is extremely important for us. Well, that's great advice for entrepreneurs and for budding product managers. Cameron, thank you very much for being on 40 Minutes of SaaS. No problem. Next up, we'll be releasing our second full series for 14 Minutes of SaaS. This time a seven-part interview that took place in Rise, Hong Kong with the Kiwi entrepreneur formerly known as Vaughan Rousel. He's changed his name to Vaughan Ferguson to take on his mother's maiden name, a very colorful character. His main claim to fame, amongst many, is being the sole founder and CEO of Vend, a point of sale and retail management system that has raised 47 million US dollars since it was founded in 2009 in Auckland, New Zealand. You've been listening to 14 Minutes of SaaS, Thanks to Mike Quill for his creativity and problem-solving skills and to Katsu for the music. This episode was brought to you by me, Stephen Cummins. If you enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to share it with your network, subscribe to the series, and give the show a rating. Music